I went to a graduate school called Asbury, and it was at that graduate school that I studied what they call divinity. Now, that, I guess that's just a big fancy word for the study of God, you know, and so, so I, I did that. And what was interesting about this seminary is right across the street, there was a college. And so the college was named Asbury, and the seminary was also named Asbury. They really were separate institutions, but they were literally across the street from one another. And what was interesting is that when the freshmen, the college freshmen, would come to Asbury College, and again, this is in Wilmore, Kentucky, so the population of like two, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so the freshmen, college freshmen would come to Asbury, and the lore was that they would literally get kind of this instruction. And the instruction was, is watch out for seminary men, which I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, What's that about? Well, apparently there had been some kinds of activity over the years that seminary men uh, were looking for wives. This is true. And they would go over to the college and the girls would be in the quad and, and the seminary men maybe would sit down and strike up a conversation. And in that conversation, maybe at some point they would talk about their calling and, and whatnot. And, and maybe just maybe at some point within that conversation, which this just baffles me, they might indicate that God had told them to come and speak to this young lady. And they would take it a step further and say that they believed that God had told them that they were supposed to be married. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't even know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like when I heard these stories, but then I would see sometimes seminary men show up in the quad and I wondered if that's what they were doing. And the... the so, and the truth is, is some of the men that showed up in the quad, I wouldn't have put it past them, if that, if that maybe makes sense. So I guess it was a reasonable warning for these young ladies uh, that, that they needed to be on the lookout for these men who were looking for preacher's wives, I guess, that, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. And, you know, the thing is about that is that we all have had experiences, or maybe we've had this experience in our life, where people have maybe indicated that God had told them something. You know what I mean? It seems like that's fairly common. Maybe it's not as common in your life as it is in mine, but it's, it's just a frequent kind of occurrence. And, and it's not always that God specifically told me. Sometimes it's like, you know, I, I, I kind of feel, <laughs> I kind of feel like God is saying, you know what I'm talking about? It's a little more subtle. It's not as direct. It's like, you know, it's not that God said you must do this. It's more, I feel like God is saying that you must marry me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And, and here's the thing that, 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 that really kind of moved me towards this, this message this morning. Is what's, what's kind of concerning me is I'm starting to see this almost like these lines getting blurry around people's thoughts and feelings and opinions and how sometimes those things get associated with God and the strength of God's spoken word. You getting this? And sometimes I've even seen in people's lives where that gets almost elevated above the word of God. 
So, the, so you, have, you have the Word of God, which is on paper. It's the Bible, and we talk about that. Is that The Bible is God's Word, and we can go. If you want to hear from God, you can read it and, and find it there. But then we also talk about this other kind of spoken Word of God, which is more of a, 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 a where we sense God saying something, and then we take that and we apply it to the Scripture to see if it's okay, right? and to discover if it is from God or not. And so there's this process that happens. And the thing that's kind of been scaring me lately is, is that sometimes I feel like our opinions, our feelings, and even our thoughts sometimes seem to become as high and as lofty as the very word of God. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of scary to me. Because see, if that's true, if that's happening, that means that somebody's on the throne that shouldn't be on the throne. I'm just saying. And if somebody's on the throne that shouldn't be on the throne, then we've got problems. Because last time I checked, the Bible said that human beings have problems. We got some issues. And you may be here today and you didn't know that about yourself. But just find out. Like, ask your spouse. Ask a good friend. Ask your mom. Believe me, we all have some issues. We all have things that, that aren't right in us. And, and, and I believe that, that, that we need to know that we know that we know that God is saying something or not. And I know that sometimes when I speak with people, it seems that people are, are, are confused about this. You know, that somehow they just have to like think really hard and maybe just maybe God, or, or feel very deeply and maybe just God, you know, or, or, or I just need to rely on my intuition, you know, and, and, and that's somehow going to lead me to the truth and the thing that I've found is that that's not always the case. The feelings we have, the intuitions we have, they can be wrong. They're not always right. Sometimes we even act in our flesh. We say things in our flesh. We're not even acting in the spirit, but we give people advice in the, in the flesh. And sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. It's like subconscious. It's just, it's, it, it can get really confusing. And if you're like me, I just want to know. How do I know the difference? How do I know the difference between those two things? And so I want to spend the rest of our time talking about how we might know the difference between God's word and maybe a word coming from a cult leader or a psychopath or a sociopath or an eager young man or a young woman looking for a spouse. <laughs> how do you know? How do you know, right? Well, this is what I've figured out is that we, the only way that we know the only way that we know what God is saying is that we have to know the God that's saying it. Like, that's the only way you know. The only way you really know what God is saying is you have to know the God who's saying it. Because, see, a lot of times it seems that people want to know or they say things or they kind of, it just comes out of their mouth. And, and, and sometimes I'm a little suspect. Because what I'm asking myself is, how much time do you think they're spending with the Lord while they're over there giving me their advice or their opinions? You know, I, that seems to be a big deal. And I'm going to tell you this to you guys. I know this is going to scare you. Some of you are listening to people that spend no time in the Word. Some of you have people in your life that give you counsel and they're not spending any time in the Word. Now, I'm just going to help you today, and this is for free. That's what I call double dumb that's double dumb they, they and, and you should be able to see that you should know that matter of fact if you're just being curious ask the person 
How much time you're spending in the word? And then they'll say, well, I spend every day. Or maybe they'll be like, <laughs> and if they do that, if they go, <laughs> you know, you need a new spiritual advisor. You need somebody else to help you because you're not going to hear from God when you have people giving you counsel that never spend time with him. You've got to get a hold of this. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But, but ultimately, the point I want you to get today is if we're going to know what God is saying, we've got to know the God who's saying it. But listen to this. This is in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. And this is why we have the problem. This is why we struggle. Here it is, and I'll give it to you. Verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's deceptively wicked. Do you hear that? The heart then gets associated with our feelings, the seat of our emotions, all of those things, right, that many of us make decisions out of. And so he goes on, he says, who really knows how bad it is? Well, guess who? God knows. Verse 10, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine all secret motives. In other words, if you want to know what's really going on in the human heart, then open yourself up to God. Open yourself up to God and he'll reveal to you what's really going on. And that's why it's so dangerous sometimes for us to give advice or our opinions without spending any time with the Lord because we're not able to see the secret things in our hearts before we give our opinion or our advice. And it's important we understand that. Now, see, some of us don't get that because we come to this sermon. We come to this place. We even come to the church because this is what seems to be perpetuated in our culture that, that you know, as human beings, you're, you're okay. You're a good person. Guys, I'm not saying that you don't do good things. But the Bible is very clear that without Jesus Christ in my life, I am a, not a good person. I am in a pickle. Matter of fact, I move towards sin. Like I have a propensity toward sin. And, and, and I know that that's not always fun to hear. But you've got to know the truth. You've got to quit reading these tabloids and these people that are telling you that, hey, without, you're going to be okay. You're a good person. That's this, the opposite of what the scripture says. It's just the opposite. Now, can you be restored to something that's good? Absolutely. That's the gospel. Because, see, the Bible says that you were created good. God said that. You were created good. Sin happened at the fall, which became the bad. And then Jesus came to create the good again. So it's good news, bad news, good news. That's the good part of this. But if you don't get the good news of Jesus, you're still in a bad place. That's why you have to understand this. So the human heart is in trouble. And because the human heart is in trouble, what happens is we rely on our feelings sometimes is we rely on the things that we feel. And the problem is with our feelings, if they're not conformed to the mind of Christ, is that they're not in line with God. They're just not. And feelings can be very good things. They're helpful. They're indicators. They help us know what's really going on in our heart. But at the end of the day, to trust them, you have to make sure that they are submitted under the authority of God's word. I think sometimes what happens is we allow our emotions to motivate us. The emotions we have. And you, you ever done this? You know how you ever heard this phrase? Don't make decisions when you're angry. You heard that? Well, why would someone say that? Because our emotion is the motivating factor to the decision that we're potentially going to make. And sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. And I find that it seems that people today, feelings and emotions seem to be one of the major motivators 
that I see. And in this discernment process, uh, process we, we often base our thinking and stuff and our feelings on all kinds of ideas, all kinds of things that we heard, the latest podcast. Because, guys, we live in this information world. We're bombarded with information. We're bombarded with teachers. We're bombarded with people that have opinions. I mean, you could be a crack pot and press some button and get a podcast and then get a following and be saying some of the most destructive things that's ever been mentioned in human history, all with a click of a button. So we have to look at this. We have to look at the teachers that we listen to and the people that we, we move towards because if we're going to get advice, if we're going to do the things that God wants us to do, well, then we need to consider the sources I think there's information everywhere. There's incomplete information. And here's the thing that's scary. This is what's really scary. It's not like it's full-on cult-like because you can almost spot a cult. It's the kind that takes things and just subtly changes it just a little bit. Just a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Just a little bit. And you're just like, well, that sounds really good. They seem happy. I'm going to move towards that. You know, they really love people. They're, they're super nice, but they've changed something just a little bit. And that little bit matters because if you drop a little poo in your cake batter, who's going to eat the cake except a crazy person? I got your attention now, don't I? Anytime the preacher says poo, everybody's in. <laughs> See, when we're making spiritual decisions, we're not always looking for the same outcomes uh, that the world is. You know what I'm saying? It's like our outcomes are different than the way the world thinks. And sometimes like someone may tell you to take that job or do that thing, but it may be based on some kind of business formula that doesn't line up with the scripture. And again, I'm not saying business formulas aren't good. I'm just simply saying that at some point you have to be able to discern which are and which aren't. And then finally, I'll end with this, is why we struggle. I think it's just simply that our flesh gets in the way. And when I say flesh, I mean our desires. Because you've heard this, haven't you heard this? I mean, we've taken this passage out of context like a crazy person in the church. Is that if you, you know, exalt the Lord, He's going to give you what? The desires of your heart. Well, what if your desires are evil? Like, what if they're, they're not even on like, you know, on an evil scale. There's like one to ten. Yours is only like one evil, right? It's not quite ten evil, you know. You're not like quite there, but it's one evil, right? And, and so that one evil, it, it, it's, it's like, it's, it's okay. It's just one evil. Just a little one, you know. Half a one. It's a half a one evil. Well, you see what happens is if my heart isn't right, if my heart isn't submitted to the Lord, then I might desire things that are not of God. And then what we do is we ordain the thing that we want. We ordain the person or somebody that we want. Uh-huh. And then we say, God wants to give me the desires of my heart. And we never even asked the Lord. We just had a feeling. We just had an emotion or a desire and we said, I'm going after it because God wants to give me the desires of my heart. God wants you to give you the desires of your heart that are submitted to his will 
and a life that is built on exalting him. That's important you see that. So we take that out of context and we use it to our own advantage and we have to remember that this is one of the reasons we struggle. So the Bible says that there's really two types of discernment. The first is just a kind of a general discernment, right? You know, kind of just the normal, general. It's, it's, it's a discernment that's based on the knowledge of the word and the wisdom of God. And it's kind of like you use those things to help you make general discerning, you know, decisions. And, and, and that's just kind of how the Bible talks about it. But, but there's also something else in the Bible that talks about that there's this spiritual gift of discernment. And I want to kind of talk about both of those this morning so you get an understanding. But I'm not going to spend as much time on the general discernment because I think I just shared with you. You've got to have the knowledge of God in you, which comes from the word of God. And you have to be able to gain wisdom from God, which comes from the word of God and, 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 and some other places, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But I heard this quote the other day and I thought it was so powerful. It's by an apologist by the name of Ravi Zacharias. And he said this, listen to what he said. He said, we are reaching a generation that listens with its eyes and thinks with its feelings. Let me say it again. We are reaching a generation that listens with its eyes and thinks with its feelings. That's kind of a scary thought. It, it is to me at least. And so when I think about discernment in my life and in your life and the importance of that, we've got to be able to draw distinctions and know the difference. And, and I think these two categories will help us better understand what God is doing. And I've heard people say this to me as pastor. I took a test, which we offer the spiritual gifts inventory test around here. And I got this gift, this spiritual gift of discernment. And there's a part of it's like, th thank God. We need people that have the spiritual gift of discernment. But the thing that I've found is that sometimes what happens is somebody discovers that they have a spiritual gift of discernment and then they do nothing with it. And then, as some people say, they're like bathroom prophets. In other words, they, they say things and do things that, 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 that are so suspect. In other words, they couldn't stand on the stage and say them because everybody would be like, whoa. But they're able to say it over here because just a few people might get it and be like, hmm, I see what you're saying there. That sounds really clever, you know, or that sounds like new revelation from God. You're like, whoa, what, what? Hey, hold on a second. You know what I mean? And, and so I think if, you, if, if, if somebody has the spiritual gift of sermon, if you've ever taken one of those tests, I'm going to help you today. If you've taken that test, and you, you have the spiritual gift of discernment. This is it. And you are not in the word regularly. And you are not listening to God regularly. Then I have no time for your word. Does that make sense? And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you shouldn't either. That should make you suspect. Now you love him. You say, thank God you have that gift. But you've got to get in the gym, kid. If you want to have an opinion, if you want to be able to rightly divide the word of God, then you got to know the word of God. If you're going to be able to discern the things of God, well, I just said it earlier, if you're going to discern the things of God, you got to know God. So here are just a few moments. I just want to dr drill down just a little bit more, just a little bit more specifically. So the spiritual gift of discernment, what is that? And I don't even know if you guys are asking this question, but I've been asked this question, so I'm interested, okay? If you're not interested, well, I am, and you're just going to have to sit there. 
So the spiritual gift of discernment, here it is. It's a gift that was given by God to help distinguish between spirits. It wasn't just knowledge, but it was distinguishing between a spiritual reality, okay? And I'll give you even a deeper definition. The word describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge, or, look at this, appraise a person, statement, situation, or environment. Now, in a world that says you can't judge anybody, that's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Because see, what we do is we take, we take that phrase, do not judge, lest you be judged, and we misapply it. And we make it a generalized statement that says that nobody can do that. Right? Which I always think is funny, because it's like, well, we make judgments every day. And so, so what the Bible is saying that is that this particular spiritual gift gives you the ability to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person's statement, situation, or environment. Now, why would that be important? Well, the Bible says that we're distinguishing against something very specific. And, and I'll show you. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 12.10. He has given each person the, the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. So he's talking about these spiritual gifts that have been given to people in the church. And we need the spiritual gifts in the church. He goes on, he says, he's given someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That's the spirit, that's the spirit of discernment. You see this. So still another is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, which is tongues, while others is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So, so clearly Paul is saying, and this is not an exhaustive list of all of the spiritual gifts. These are just a few. But, 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 but he's saying that this gift has been given to the church. And the reason we have spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are there to edify the body of Christ. That's why they're there. They're not to edify you. They're there to edify the body of Christ, to lift up the bride of Christ. And I always think it's interesting when, when people have spiritual gifts and they're using it in their own little worlds, but they never bring it to the church. That's why people who are like individualistic about their faith in Christ and they never come to church have problems because it's not lining up with the scripture because the scripture is there to help us see it. And you can have an opinion that says, well, it doesn't matter if I go to church. Well, that's fine. You can have that opinion. It's just not a biblical one. Love you. I'm glad you're here. But, but it's just not a biblical opinion. And then Hebrews, watch this, Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food is for those who are mature, who, who, who through training have, listen to this, the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong, or good and bad. That's, that's what you have to see. In other words, the spiritual gift of discernment is really not so much about helping you decide which job to take. Or which person to marry. It's really not there in that way. It's there to help you decide, is this evil or is this good? I mean, come on, guys. We live in a culture that doesn't even like the word evil. Like, we can't even say that word. Like, evil is one of those words that's like, well, that's a mean word. That's a mean word. Well, okay, fine. But did we not learn any lessons from World War II? There is evil in the world. Whether that makes us feel good or not, we have to understand that there are evil things in this world. And if you've ever traveled outside the United States, 
Because sometimes we got to get our blinders off. There's evil in this world. And so we have to be able to discern the difference. And we need people like that with that spiritual gift. We need people to be able to say, nope, that is not from God. That is evil. We have no business messing with that. We need that because what happens if we don't have it? We lose our way. We lose our way. We need those kinds of people that are helping us stay on track so that we might be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Because see, when we recognize and distinguish between what, what God is doing, what Satan is doing, and what our flesh is doing, that's a pretty important characteristic. It's a pretty important. And I need people like that around me. Need people like that, don't you? Because some of you are right now in the middle of a big decision. A big decision. And you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Now, I'm going to zero in a little bit more on the general because I know some of you are like, well, I don't have the spiritual gift, so why are you talking to me? Well, that's fine. Matter of fact, the Bible says you can pray earnestly for all the gifts. So, hey, pray God, ask God, ask him. Say, hey, I'd like to have that gift, you know. Don't seek it because you want it like in the flesh so that you can be like cool or something. But, but, but seek it. Seek after the gifts. Ask God for all the gifts. Say, I want them all. Bring them on, God. I'll take them. Who doesn't want the gifts of the Lord? I mean, geez, come on. Bring them. Bring them. Right? But I want to specifically zero in now on just kind of the general part of this because, because I think so often we get confused with distinguishing evil and good, and then how do I live my life in a practical way? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Should I park in that parking spot? Should I not park in that parking spot? I know these are big questions you guys are asking. I mean, should I, you know, right? I mean, you, you guys do that. So how do we know? I mean, if I, if I don't have the spiritual gift of, of discernment, how do I in general, discern the things of God. Well, I'm going to help you. I've been saying it over and over again. In order to know what God is saying, you've got to know the God who's saying it. And so here's a few things that I think will help you. Number one is you've got to go to God first. You don't need to pick up the phone first because so often we pick up the phone first, you know, and we just really have to seek God. Listen to this in Matthew 6, 33. I love this. And I've told you guys this before. It's one of the first passages of Scripture I ever memorized. And I will seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And look at this. He will give you everything you need. See, see how important this is? It's important that we go to God first. If we're going to be influenced by anything, don't you think it's better that we're influenced by the th God than anything else, especially if we're seeking wisdom from God? <laughs> you know what I mean? And we have this kind of twisted idea, and I think this happens in, in, in St. Louis a lot because of the Catholic influence. And I'm not bagging out Catholics, but I'm just saying simply that there's this idea that there's an intermediary between us and Jesus. That somehow I have to go to the priest, or I have to go to the pastor, and that leads to this kind of idea that there's an intermediary. And I understand why they get there and how they get there, but I'm just simply saying the Bible says that you can go straight to God. And so, so if you're looking for answers, well, why don't you just go to the source? Yeah? I mean, why would you create multiple layers if you can just go straight to the source? And so in 1 John 4, 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe, look at this, Dear not, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see, did you hear that? You must test them, you must test them to see if the Spirit 
they have comes from God. For these, look at this. The Bible warned us about this a long time ago. For there are many false prophets in the world. There are many people saying many things, and it doesn't mean that they're right. So here are the three tests I'll give you. I'm going to give you three tests this morning, okay? I know some of you are like, I need practical. I need practical. Well, here it is. Number one. Number one is you've got to pray about it. <laughs> you guys could write these messages. I know. Right? You gotta pray about it. You gotta talk to the Lord. You gotta ask the Lord, right? Seek first God. So we gotta go to God. And, and I don't know if you talk to God like this, but maybe you should just start. Cause like, sometimes we feel like we gotta talk to God like this. Oh, holy God, up on your hill of might. I shall ascendeth that hill and seeketh thou faces. And perhaps you will speaketh to me. And so we create all of this pomp and circumstance. And, and look, that's beautiful stuff. Not what I just did, but, you know, when it's done properly. It's beautiful, right? But there's nothing wrong with saying this to God. God, I love you. I don't know what to do with this situation. I, I don't know what to do. you got to help me. I'm, I'm so confused right now. I need your help. Can you speak to me? And then shut up. And just listen. Don't talk. Just listen. Open the word. Read a little bit. Listen. Because I think sometimes we don't hear from God because we're spending too much time talking. Just get silent. I mean, silence scares people. It scares me. I don't like silence. I'm like, put on something. Do something. Let's, let's dance. We got to just ask the Lord, God, will you speak to me and listen and listen and listen? Step two is we got to read about it. God is never going to tell you something contrary to his word. And I see this all the time in relationships. And yes, I'm about to get in your business. When it comes to relationships, I am absolutely, I don't understand why sometimes we make decisions in relationships without ever seeking God. All we do is do it based on our feelings. He's cute. She smells nice. I like that. Well, good luck. There's a reason we have a 50% divorce rate in the United States of America. And it's similar among Christians. Because, see, we're so motivated by our feelings. We're so motivated by the things. And just, I see this. I even see people take the Bible and twist it. They like twist the words of God. They somehow bend them to try and get them to fit their perspective Especially on relationships. I see this all the time. Well, it's not so bad. I mean, we're living together. It's okay. Because we're going to eventually get married. Hooey. That's my new word. Hooey. And I know that you try and you come up with all kinds of things. It says, well, it's not so bad. We're having sex outside of marriage, but we're eventually going to get married. It's okay. Look, you can... You are an American, and you can do that. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, my friends, you are out of line. Because the Bible is so clear on these things, I'm sorry, and you can do all kinds of biblical and theological gymnastics <laughs> to get there, but it ain't there. And I don't care who you talk. And if you are talking to somebody that says it is there, they, my friend, are a false teacher. I say these things because I love you. 
Test number three. Here it is. This one, some of y'all are going to hate. I hate this one because I'm always like, let's go, let's go. Here's the third one. Wait. Wait. You're like, just stop? Yeah, wait. Patience is not always something that we want when it comes to decision making. Matter of fact, the worst is when someone comes to you and the tyranny of their life becomes your urgency. And so we got to make a decision. We got to make a decision. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The worst decisions I've ever made have been in speed. I'm just saying, I mean, and I have a propensity towards speed. I mean, I'm an activator. I like to get, I mean, I'm just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And some of the worst decisions I've ever made have been because of speed. Because see, here's the thing I've learned is that truth and time go hand in hand. Truth and time go hand in hand. Now, I don't know much about baseball because I only played one season because I, st I stood out in the outfield and I picked flowers. Because <laughs> I was bored out of my mind. You ever been a kid in t-ball in the outfield? You're not getting any action, people. It was horrible. So I just stood out there and picked flowers, you know, and it was horrible. I quit. I quit baseball never to return. But I did have a chance to play some softball, which I'm not very good at, you know. But when I retired, I was batting a thousand, so pretty amazing. Um, it's true. But here's what I figured out with baseball. They, they would tell me, because I didn't know how to play, but out in the outfield, if they hit a pop fly to you, because I was in the outfield, because I was fast, so they put me out. So they hit it out to you. Your initial thing is to move towards the ball. Like, so it's hit, and you're like, well, the moment you did that, you just got beat because you never settled in to see where the ball's going and then move towards it. But if you believe that first jump, you're, you're, you're done. It's probably going over your hair, head, or it's going somewhere. And so, so it's just like in baseball. Our first response is to, should be just to wait. Don't, don't get nutty. Don't, don't, go, don't go calling all your friends. Just wait. Just wait for a second. Speak to the Lord right? Seek his counsel, look at the word, and then wait again until you know, until you hear. Because see, the Bible says that you'll be led forth with peace. And if you are moving into a decision or a circumstance or a situation and you have no peace, then you need to sit down and wait. You need to wait. I'm telling you, I'm just trying to help you. And so see, these are, the, these are the three tests that'll help you. And then I'll finally end with these. Because again, I've been talking about going to God first. The second is, is we've got to go to God's people second. You, you, some of you need some God's people in your life. You don't have that. You're struggling to make decisions because you don't have that in your life. You're seeking the wrong counsel. All of the people you ask are at the bar. And they, you need to get some people around you that know the things of God. Listen to this in Proverbs 19.20. Get all the advice and instruction you can so that you'll be wise the rest of your life. You need that in your life. Proverbs 12.15, look at this. Fools think their own way is right. You ever thought your own way was right? Fools think that their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And I'm not just talking about generic others. I'm talking about people that know God. Seek wise biblical counsel before you take a step, not after. Let me repeat that. Seek wise biblical counsel before you take the step, 
Because so often in our lives, we take the step and then we go call someone and say, oh, gosh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and there's a part of me who's like, why didn't you tell me first? Why didn't we? Why? 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 Right? Seek God's counsel first before you move. And now, here, I'm going to give you a couple of checks on the people you're seeking counsel from. You ready? Here's number one, a question to ask. Do they tell you what the word says or just what they think or feel? If you're seeking counsel for someone and the word never comes into the conversation, you might need to find a new counsel. Number two. Do they pray with you? Like maybe at the end of the meeting. Do they pray with you? Does that ever enter into it? Do they say, I will pray for you in your decision making? You know, does that ever come up? And then here's the last one. Do they ask the most important question that I think can be asked is not whether it's right or wrong often. It's is it wise? Is this wise? That's a a good question. Because sometimes we're looking for right and wrong. We're looking for black and white, and we're just like, is this right or wrong? Tell me. The question isn't always about black and white, because God's been clear on the things that are black and white. Sometimes the hardest question is is to figure out, is this wise for me? Is this wise for me right now? Is this the wise decision for me right now? Do you get it? You get what I'm saying? And so those questions are so important. And so I just want to say this. If you have the spiritual gift of discernment, I want to ask you something. If you at some point discover that, please let us know. Talk to us. We want to help you become strong in that gift because it's so important to the church. But if you are just looking for general discernment, I've given you the things you need. I've given you the things to begin to look at. But I'm just telling you, if you never get in the gym, you're not going to know what God's saying. Because at the end of the day, in order to know what God is saying, i got to know the God who's saying it. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you did not leave us or forsake us, that you've given us everything we need to know what it is that you're saying. Father, right now I know that there are some in this room that are just looking for a word from you. They're in the middle of a decision. They're struggling to make the decision. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would unlock all wisdom, all knowledge, all discernment into that situation so that they might be able to make the decision that they need. And right now in just the quietness of this, just simply tell the Lord what you need. Just tell him. He loves you. He's listening. And then what I'd like for you to do is the rest of the day, just allow him to speak to you. Get quiet before God and see what he'll do because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Now there's a problem that I need to address. And that is with heads bowed and eyes closed, I need to address this because some of us don't hear from God at all. And the reason we don't hear from God is because we have no relationship with God. We have no relationship with the one that's saying it. And matter of fact, Israel ran into that problem too. It was many years before, before Jesus came into the world and it was silent. God wasn't speaking anymore. He wasn't talking to the prophets. It was radio silence. But the good news is, is that when God sent his son Jesus into this world, 
But that radio connection got connected back again. And it got connected because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus went to a cross to die for you and for me so that we might be restored back to God. The Bible also says that any man can die. So Jesus did die, but not any man can beat death. And three days later, the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead, and it was there at that moment that God beat sin and death forever. And as a result of that, you can be saved. As a result of that, you can hear from God clearly. As a result of that, you can understand your purpose, and you can make a difference in this world. And I wonder if you're here today and you don't know that. You haven't settled that issue. I'd love to be able to invite you into a relationship with God. And so what I'd like to do is heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to give you a chance to, to, to move in that direction. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that, 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 that he'll come in. And so right now on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to do something very simple. I'm not going to point you out or have you come down front. I just, I just want to ask you to do something for me. And that is to simply raise up your hand on the count of three. And I just want to say a prayer with you. And so right now on the count of three, if you wouldn't mind, take that step and be bold about it. In faith, be bold. One, two, three. Go ahead. Lift it up. Right now. Today's your day. Don't wait. God bless you. Good, good. All right. Let me pray. God, uh, church, we're all praying together here. No one's praying alone. Let's all pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, we need you. We acknowledge our sin, our need for a Savior. Thank you for saving me. Be Lord of my life for the rest of my life. Change me from the inside out. Show me my purpose. Help me make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?